today. You know what? And in the ring with Dan and Benny, hey, brother, man, hey, he's about the most cat. I just love him to death. I love you. Thanks for having me. Hey, you're the best. I'm telling you, brother. In the ring with Dan and Benny. Yeah. We love you. Thank Woo. you so much, Dan. Oh, yeah. <laughs>Matches and of course it was Johnny Valentine and Thunderbolt Patterson and Wahoo McDaniels and and, uh, Bobby Shane and and, um, some of the local talent that Joe had been training there in Corpus Christi and uh, and he announced 
that the following Thursday there was going to be ladies or girls fighting. Well, I nudged my dad and I said, can we reserve tickets for next week? And he sat there and said, sure. So I went up front and told Mr. Blanchard, I said, you know, we'd like to reserve seats. And luckily with us just driving over there that, that Thursday night, we ended up getting front row seats in section D, front row seats nine and 10. And we had those for the next, uh, 10 years, <laughs> you know, that, that we had the same seats reserved for the next 10 years every Thursday night. Um, so how, um, Tex, how old were you when you were playing that baseball game that they, you know, you five, five years old. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> went from the diamond to the ring. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and I'm probably one of the only ones who can sit there and say that, that I wrestled the same two females that I saw um, in my first matches, uh, which was Evelyn Stevens and Marie DeLeon. They were there uh, fighting, or they were the first female wrestlers I ever saw. Uh, And then my first match was against Marie DeLeon, and and, uh, I had four or five with her, and then Evelyn, um, whenever um, Fritz von Erich was able to get me up to Dallas, uh, and the Christmas or the Easter holidays, which is now they call the spring break, uh, uh, I'd be able to go up there on uh, Mondays and, and be able to wrestle Evelyn Stevens up there in Dallas. Uh, but normally I had to stay down in, in the Corpus Christi area because of being in school and having to make school Friday morning. So is, is it true that... Um... You wanted to be a professional wrestler so bad. This is amazing uh, to me that your parents actually got the then governor, John Connolly, to, to sign a release saying it was OK to wrestle while you were still in high school. And then um, also, I believe your first match, wasn't it on your 15th birthday? Yes. Um, you know, we had to go make an appointment and be able to go up to see Governor Connolly uh, there at the state house in Austin uh, for my parents to assure him and for me to sit there and say it wasn't child labor that I was doing this on my own. And it was something that was my dream and had been my dream since I was five years old. And he said, well, he sure didn't want to stand in the way of somebody's dream. So he signed off as long as I, uh, continued my high school education. So and it, just my curious, first match you, was on my 15th. <laughs> you, you're, you see, you're a sophomore in high school. What, what was, there had to be some some feedback from your your high school classmates. Uh, there was the, the only two sports we had whenever I was in in school was the swimming team and and uh, uh, tennis, and I played both. You know to show Mr. Blanchard that I could be uh, disciplined and I you know I could take the the punishment of having to do all the the exercises and all the um, physical contact that came in and swing and, and, uh, and tennis. Um, and, and, uh, we got a co-ed intramural basketball after class, uh, came in and the center for the football team, he, he was Jimmy. I don't remember what his last name was, but he was picking on me. And I, I'm, I was a whopping 98 pounds, you know, and, and I told him, you better quit 
doing it because he it was co-ed and he kept blocking me and and I sat there and thought I'm gonna get you <laughs> so he was up under the net of course I got called for fouls and everything else because I just <laughs> barreled down and tackled him I, I guess more of now what they would call a spear <laughs> whenever <laughs> nice. when he landed up under the against the wall up under the net <laughs> nobody else picked on me said if you can take jimmy out we're not gonna mess with you that so, uh, yeah as <laughs> <laughs> uh, they said that dynamite comes in a small package well you know he was well over 200 pounds and <laughs> when i hit him <laughs> 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 I, I'm picturing the you know how how the 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 visual of that getting speared under the net by by someone. <laughs> that was a toothpick. <laughs> you know, and and anybody that's ever been and been uh, tackled or bumped sports, you know, you you get that that especially if somebody's smaller than you, you get that shoulder right in the rib cage. You probably <laughs> took them took down like a stone. Yeah, <laughs> he went down. He didn't get close to me the rest of that game. <laughs> <laughs> I would not. That's funny. <laughs> you, you know, you you were talking about um, obviously having to get the the governor to sign off. Uh, anybody out, you know, for for our fans out there, uh, you know, I know you're scr- probably scratching your head right now where you've heard that name before. Uh, John Connolly was governor of Texas. He was the other man in the car in the Kennedy assassination. So I know a couple yeah. of you couple of you you're probably thinking that's that's the name i always always hear that but um you when you trained to to get back to the point you you uh you trained under joe blanchard and then relocated to south carolina to train and and uh be booked by mula um we'll get back to her obviously in a bit but uh how quickly did you get through the camp i mean i have to think you had the built-in advantage with the pre with the blanchard training going in right uh, well, I actually wrestled almost three years for Joe Blanchard. You know, I was trained and I was working um, matches on on weekends and and school holidays um, for just shy three years. You know, I I got the Mullahs on June fifth of seventy one. I graduated. You know, he called because he had sent me out to Arizona to wrestle May Young, probably one of her last matches in in sixty nine, and and. When I came back, I was black and blue and purple and yellow, and, and my brother actually had to drive me out because I was. They didn't fly the girls out, and he he thought well, he'd send me out there and get me beat. <laughs> and and when I came back <laughs> and saw him the next time, I said, you know, when am I going to be able to get another match? And he said, there. I said, if that didn't break your spirit, and you're going to have to go out to see Lillian Ellisor, you know, uh, which is AKA Mula, and and um. But I sit there and I said, you know, well, whatever. Well, he came over to my parents' house, um, Joe, and we called Lillian. And, and she said, well, and this was in March of 71. And she said, well, how soon can you be here? And I said, I haven't even graduated yet. You know, and she said, well, when do you graduate? And I said, May 31st. And um, that was our graduation date. And she said, can you be here June 5th? And I said, yes. Or I, I held the phone down and said, she wants to know if I can be there June 5th. Mom, Dad, and they said, that's when she wants you. You'll, you can be there. So uh, I ended up, they bought me a, a 71 Torino, a Grand Torino for my graduation. So my mother rode with me and we drove out um, to Columbia 
got here on a Wednesday, uh, June 5th, and, and uh, that Friday, uh, Mila said, you know, well, I want to see you work out. And she had Donna Christian Tello and um, Vicki Williams um, in the gym. And then we went, and I said, can my mom come down? And, you know, she's never seen me train. You know, she'd seen me wrestle, but she'd never seen a training session. And uh, got out there, and she put said, you know, get up there with Donna. Well, Donna was sitting there telling me everything she wanted me to do, and sitting there saying, you know, do what you want to do. And we had a little match in probably 15, 20 minutes, and then she put Vicky up there with me and uh, started wrestling her, and, and everything was going well. And all of a sudden, Vicky jumped up and hit me with a uh, a drop kick, and I landed on my rear because – and then Mula sat there and said, now, hon, you got to land on your back. And, of course, my mother's standing there, and I sit there and said, well, if she wouldn't have kicked me like a jackass, excuse me, <laughs> I would have. But <laughs> she kicked me so hard, I didn't have any time to, to flatten out, so I just landed on my rear. And uh, she sat there, and I said, uh, I took my mother to the airport that Sunday, and uh, Mula called me in her office whenever I got back and she said I thought your mother was going I said that's my car no uh, she I took her to the airport you know for her to fly back to Texas but none of the girls had cars and of course none of the girls had phones and they're they're living dwellings I was in a trailer with Vicki and Peggy Patterson and my mother had a phone put in and, and of course Vicki had sat there and said um you know you can't have a phone we have to go down and use Lillian's and I sat there and said y'all may but I'm not. And my mother sat there and said, she will have a phone to she can make a call. Well, then all the girls got to where they come to my house to make their calls <laughs> because I had a phone, <laughs> you know. And when I was gone and I said, when the phone bill came in, everybody would come over and uh, pay me whatever their long distance call was. But I said, everybody would normally call and collect. <laughs> uh, but I said, you know, that, that upset the apple cart that I had a phone in the trailer that I lived in, <laughs> you know. And everybody didn't have to walk down to, to where Lillian was able to hear your conversation. Uh, and, and so I was actually only there five days before I was on the road. She only saw me work out one time, and then I went into Georgia uh, to wrestle. Uh, it was Peggy Patterson, which she came in on a bus to Savannah, Georgia, uh, and I drove down, you know, and then, of course, she could sit there, and, and Charlie Smith, referee, came by and sat there and said, now, mind you, Joe Blanchard never smartened me up. These women beat me half to death, you know, because he wanted to break my spirit. He wanted me to take the scholarship I had in swimming, and I sat there and said, my daddy said I didn't have to go to college. All I had to do was graduate. So, um, and that was why Joe had sent me to wrestle May Young. Uh, and, 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 um, when that didn't break the spirit, that's when we called Lillian, but, um, it was, um, just one of those, you, you know, what's he mean, baby face over. And, and of course, Peggy was going as a white Venus at the time. And she says, that's you, because I kept telling her, I can't be in the dressing room with you because I never was in the dressing room with anybody. I always had a closet by myself. You know, for the first two and a half, two and three quarters years that I wrestled for Joe Blanchard. And, and of course, Lillian knew this, but she didn't spark me up before I got to Georgia. Other than when 
Charlie Smith walked by and said, baby face over. And I'm, I'm sitting there discussing because I'm looking at Peggy and I thought, hell, she's 190 pounds and I'm 124. You know, what am I going to do? Well, you know, we went out there and um, she put me over and, and, you know, it was just a small package. And then it was so like, well, I can do, you know, it ain't going to be bad. I'm not, that didn't hurt at all. You know, <laughs> I wasn't getting beat. <laughs> and uh uh worked the whole week and then uh the the next week I was up in North Carolina against Donna and and, and you know, I just everybody started liking. But back in when in the sixties and seventies one of the rules that, that Lillian had in Lula um was we all had to be under hundred and thirty pounds. It didn't matter you're six foot tall, you know. Uh you stayed under 130, and I sit there and said, you know, um, it was strange because, you know, she didn't put into consideration the size, how tall you was, you know, but it also made it where um, she outweighed us by 30, 40 pounds, and, and it should lay on us, uh, and then she'd come back and sit there and say, well, you blew up. And I thought, well, if he wouldn't have laid on me, you know, uh, and you'd have went with me when I did stuff, I'd have, it'd been different, you know, uh, but it, it, it was to her advantage to make us all stay skinny. <laughs> and, and, and she could make, and of course she, she always said she was 135 or so forth, but I sit there and said, you know, she's 160, 170. But I said, you know, not saying she wasn't in good shape, but, but when you got that much weight on you, and, and against someone young and dumb, uh, you don't understand why you can go so much longer with somebody else, and then you get out there with her, and and you come back uh, gasping for air. <laughs> so was it was the the reason why we had uh, Vicky on last week, and she was saying that um, uh, the, she she was trained by Sandy Barr in Portland, Oregon, and yeah. At at some point, he shipped her to Moolah because he said, "There's not really enough wrestling here for for you to, uh, you know, to make yeah. a living at it." Uh, was yeah. it the same thing? I mean, you got trained by Joe Blanchard. Was it, uh, it same 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 deal? There wasn't enough wrestling in in that area. Yeah, uh, they only used the girls once or twice a year, um, and in fact, uh, Joe Blanchard and, and Fritz von Erich didn't use. Uh, Lillian's girls until I came out and started working for them, and then they would end up using her girls because I was there. Uh, whenever I'd go home, because I'd take the last three months of the year off, or, or mid 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 November to mid January, I'd take it off and go home for the holidays, and then uh, Fritz and and Joe would use me out there without going through Lillian against girls that were. Around there, which Barbara Glinto, Kane Noble, um, Evelyn Stevens, Marie DeLeon, that once again, that, that, that lived there in Texas that I was uh, able to get, you know, uh, matches with whenever. Of course, Mula didn't know I was wrestling when I was out there, but it was none of her business. You know, <laughs> <laughs> she just knew I was going home and and and. and I'd get back and have all the pictures that I took of being home with the family and everything. So she never even thought. And, and I said there, and like I tell most of my guys that I train and the girls so that, 
whenever you go to, even if you just go to watch a match, take your bag because you never know when somebody's going to not, not show up or, or have car trouble or don't make a flight connection or, or one thing or another. Uh, so you, you have your bag to where you can fill in for them. Um, if they need somebody extra, uh, but, uh, and yeah, you know, whenever I was there with Lillian, it was one of those, you know, she made a signed contract and then you never thought about your, I, I was brought up that whatever your, your elders told you, you know, that's, that was the word of God almost, you know, uh, you just respected him. And of course we signed contract, which now I know wouldn't have helped water, uh, the way she had it. And of course it wasn't notarized or anything. We just signed it at the kitchen table. Uh, but everybody sat down and had coffee. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, as me and Tony Rose, you know, we wanted to wrestle so bad because whenever she went, whenever she was 17, straight out of high school to be trained whenever, before Mula had the, 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 the major place where she was at when I came, uh, she they lived over on South South Prospect uh, in the Rosewood area and, and and had two houses side by side in the ring set up in in the garage where they they trained. Uh, but um, you know we were wanted to wrestle so bad that you know we just whatever she said we got paid we took. Of course we never got a ten ninety nine from uh, Ben Senior or or you know she'd sit there and say you know which. Um, You'd think that Madison Square Garden and me being number 29th match and, and the world championship and second woman's wrestler on the Madison Square Garden that um, I'd have made some money. But, you know, she said, you know, well, you made $200 for Madison Square Garden. And, and I never thought anything about it, you know. Uh, she said, that's what we got. And, and, and she paid us. You know, uh, he went in the office at the end of the week or whenever you got back. I said, the only way you got paid, uh, you'd get to draw advances if you was going from one territory to the next. Um, and, but you, you don't know if that's truly what you got paid or if the promotion sent her more money that she didn't know about. But, well, well Vic, uh, Vicky actually thought that... Uh... But she gave an example that her she thought her payoff at at the garden was eight hundred dollars, and Mula told her it was four hundred, and then Mula took her twenty five percent, so she got three hundred dollars over what initially was an eight hundred dollar payoff. Yeah. Uh, well, I I never know knew we never heard what our payoffs was. We just whenever you went in to the office, she sat there and said, you know, this is what you made, um, you know. Um, during going to Augusta, Georgia, she'd sit there and say, and of course, it was only 60 miles away. And then she'd sit there and say, well, you made $25. Well, she still got. And when I was there, it was 30%. Back from the 60s to the. Oh, uh, okay. yeah. That's ridiculous. Uh, 79. And it came off the top. It didn't come after all the expenses. Yeah. So she didn't so take into consideration. Payoff, then she's getting 750 So you're making 1750 which. You probably yeah. had like what about a dollar and change left after all your uh, your expenses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. And, and, you know, um, I said, luckily, Be whenever you go into some of the territories um, that, that where promotion um, 
like Nick Goulas, we stayed at the Sam Davis Motel. Um, and, and it's notorious for that's where Moolah and, and Hank Williams Sr. had a romantic romp, <laughs> supposedly <laughs> running naked down the, <laughs> the hall, you know. And I well, said, that had to be a uh, sight. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I sat there and said, well, that was before my time, so I don't know. <laughs> those. Those were the the weekends, Benny, where it would have been better to get paid in a hot dog and a handshake. Would have been right, worth yeah, more. You're, you're actually ahead of the game. Yeah. Uh, did did, you know. uh, did Mula take twenty five percent of your hot dog too? I'm just curious. <laughs> uh, he probably bite. would have. <laughs> I think he said the, the only promoter that uh, would not do it that way. She said all the promoters would send the money to Mula, except for Bill Watts. Uh, Bill Watts yeah. actually would still give. Her an envelope. Did you ever wrestle for uh, Bill Watts? I did, but it was after I left Moolah. Okay. Uh, I, I actually wrestled Mad Maxine after she had left Moolah uh, down for Bill Watts. And, and uh, so we had negotiated the pay before gotcha. I'd ever went down, you know. Uh, so, but uh, I was actually wrestling when Bill Watts was on the card for uh, Leroy McGurk that ran the Oklahoma territory that included the Louisiana. Yeah. So. Well, you, you mentioned it when you were talking about your, you know, the different events and all, um, you, you talked about Vince senior, your time in Madison square garden. I was kind of hoping you could expand a little bit on that because you were in Madison square garden. You won the, the tag team tournament. Uh, you, you, like you talked about the super bowl of wrestling. You were a young female, in in front of a sellout crowd at Madison Square Garden, I mean, at, in the nineteen seventies, that was the mecca of professional wrestling. Uh-huh. You know, in, in an era when when you really didn't see much female wrestling in the Northeast, what was yeah. what was that mindset to be you know in that crowd in in knowing the importance of what you were doing? Uh, I, I'm going to sit there and say once again, I you know I I just wanted to to wrestle so bad, I. I, I I just focused on myself on being in the ring and getting, getting the match over, you know, uh, 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 and, and, and in Madison Square Garden, it's so bright between the photographers and all the flashes going off at ringside there at, at the apron. Uh, uh, you don't see past the first couple of rows, you know, uh, and it wasn't until the, about the third time that I was actually in Madison Square Garden that I, I actually went up all the way to the top and looked down there and I said that this was before big screen TVs and all that and looked down and, and saw Gorilla Monsoon standing at the ring and he looked like a little midget and I thought these people have got to have binoculars to see us down there because if he looks that little I I could I had to look like a speck mm. you know but uh yeah uh you know and and, and um I guess with with winning titles and all that it, it, you know Mula had always sit there and said, "You just do what the promoter asks." You know, uh, I know uh, me and Sandy Parker. I was actually seventeen because uh, it was in 1971. Whenever uh, we went over to Hawaii and then was making a tour of China and, and Australia and uh, working the Hawaiian Islands, that that uh, Sam Steamboat and Lord Blair sit there and said, "You know, they wanted to they talked to Jim." Um, Barnett, um, that was running Australia and, and doing the shows in China. And they sit there and said, you know, that 
have Donna and Tony drop the title, and then whenever we came back to Hawaii, that was when they did the big show there in Honolulu again, that they'd get the title back. Um, so um, we didn't think nothing of it until we got back, and Mula had a hissy because she learned that they had dropped the title. Uh, you know, and then and he said, once again, we said, you know, you said do what the promoter said or ask. So, you know, they were doing what, you know, we never argued with what was said or asked. Um, and I sit there and said, back in my day, <laughs> in, in the 60s and 70s, as Tony says, that, that if the girls were on the match, we knew that there's going to be, we're going to have a, a, a singles match. And uh, especially if there's only two females. Uh, and then we're going to have a mixed tag and, and, you know, we're going to end up working twice. And so was two of the guys going to have two matches. And I said, then I said, you know, there was never more than eight guys and one referee. Um, and then, then they actually had a ring crew that was the ring crew. They, you know, they wasn't the wrestlers or anything else. They, they, they drove there and put the ring up and all that. But, um, the, uh, eight wrestlers and then one referee, you know, uh, was a major show, you know, because there's four matches and and but if if and I said if we were there in tag teams uh, like um, Sandy and me and and Donna and Tony, uh, we would have a single match and then go back out and uh, a tag team for the for the championship. You know. Um, uh, the only place that didn't happen was, was at Madison Square Garden because Vince Senior, he always had so many. Well, he'd bring everybody in from the territory to be at Madison Square or the Boston Gardens. But um, you know, uh, I never got paid more than for the Boston Gardens being sold out uh, or Madison Square. Two hundred dollars was the a, a big payoff. Uh, and and I will say that that. Um, Roy Shires for Northern California. Uh, he's the one that gave us the envelopes after each uh, match. And and, and uh, when we did uh, the Cow Palace, I'd actually, and, and Notorious Miller would send me in my car with three other people that could not drive. And, and I said, first time in 72, I'm, I'm going out to San Francisco. Me and Donna Christentella, we drove all the way to San Francisco and had to be there in three days. I, I was so <laughs> jacked up on caffeine that, you know, and taking no-dose. <laughs> whenever, whenever the doctor saw because we had to take little mini physicals uh, that he says, I'll catch you tomorrow. <laughs> You know, because in California and then like New York, we had to have EKGs and all that. So we actually had to go down to the office and he said, there and said, you know, we'll just get you tomorrow because he knew that there's no way that I was going to pass uh, being as wired on caffeine and everything as I was. But I said uh, that that Moolah didn't think about our safety, you know, um, or with me, especially because she's from from the time being, she had sit there and told me that I was I was a rebel, you know. And and I guess one of the things she sat there and told me that I I couldn't wear red, white, and blue. And I said, Well, you can't tell me what I can wear. 
you know, uh, and and I said I'm patriotic and I'm going to wear it. Well, then when I had my boots uh, in '72, made red, white, and blue, you know, she said, well, that's never going to go over. It's not going to catch on. And I sit there and I said, um, to this day, whenever I go to Fan Fest or Russell Cons, I still wear red, white, and blue. And, and then when I decided to come out of the headband and go into wearing a hat, she said, well, that's never going to get over. And I thought, well, maybe you don't think so, but I'll get it over. You know, uh, and, and I'll never forget in White Plains, New York, I was wrestling and I realized they didn't take my jacket back to the dressing room. Well, I, and that's when we had a timekeeper and an uh, announcer that sat at ringside. And and uh, I jumped out and I sat there and said, my hat's gone. And and they told the cops and they locked down the, the, the building before the matches were over so they could find out where my blue Stetson hat was. <laughs> and they ended up finding someone sat there and I, they asked me, did I want to prosecute? And I said, I just want my hat back. You know, uh, so, but I, I guess somebody wanted my ha- hat that wasn't going to get over with the fans. <laughs> it was over and then, somebody wanted to steal it, right? Yeah, yeah. And and then, of course, after I was gone, she, she had uh, Wendy Richter come in and be the cowgirl wearing the hat and wearing the chaps and everything. And then uh, had Joyce Grable being her partner and then being the um wearing the hats and the western boots and stuff and i said and said you know for something not to get over and and for her to see that i got it over uh it made her rethink her thinking (laughs) but um yeah and i I guess with with moolah and i know you know we learned to respect each other i didn't like her i worked for her you know, she didn't train me, and Joe Blanchard trained me, and, and and I guess that was the one thing that she didn't like because I wouldn't give her credit to training me because she only saw me work out one time before she put me on the road. You know, so did I go through the camp? No. Did I train a lot of girls? Yeah. You know, Joyce Grable being one of them. Uh, uh, a lot of girls. Um, in fact, a girl by the name of Valerie that was Joyce Grable's friend wanted to be a wrestler, and she lasted three weeks and, and left. and, and Mula had sit there and said, you know, you can come and train, um, but bring your friend with you. If you can get her to come, there's no problem. Well, of course, Joyce, Joyce made it, and, and Valerie didn't. You know, she she couldn't take the 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 learning to take the the, the falls and and going out of the ring and because uh, whenever I'm training somebody here at my ring, I sit there and said, you're going to learn those ropes will beat you to death. I said, your underarm's going to be hurting, your hip's going to be hurting where you, you hit it, <laughs> and you're going to wonder who hit you there, and it's going to be nothing more than the ropes. <laughs> Jeez. <clears throat> when, uh, when, when running the ropes gets serious, Benny. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so in, in 1976... Well, first of all, let me backtrack for a little bit. So something to note, you, you were 17. You won the NWA Women's uh, World Tag Team titles uh, with Sandy Parker. But Donna yeah. Christianello and Tony Rose were like the tag team. I remember them back then. You know, I remember oh, them oh. as a kid, you know, watching yeah. WWF in the early 70s. Even the, I oh, think yeah. even as, as uh, early as the late 60s, I remember the yeah. two of them. 
watching yeah. them wrestle. So like that was pretty monumental. But uh, in 1976, you actually were awarded the uh, the Girl Wrestler of the Year by Pro Wrestling Illustrated. And considering the the uh, huge amount of talent out there, that had to be a, a gigantic honor for you. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You, you, I could sit there and say Penny Banner and and and, and so many other deserved, uh, you know, um, Vicky Williams, you know, uh, uh, Donna or Tony, either one, you know, Kristen Bell or Rose, you know, they deserved it. They, they put in many a mile, you know, um, but I, I think with me, because, um, I was so young and most of the, the promoters didn't realize that I was as young as I was, um, and and I know Roy Shires didn't, um, uh, because we, he was giving us tickets and going to, to actually wrestle in Las Vegas. Uh, he'd get tickets for us to go see uh, a show, and he'd be sitting there. And I said, the year that I actually turned uh, 21, the the uh, what, waiter uh, or the waitress and came over to the to the table and sit there and said, my, my boss is telling me that I got an ID. Well, I just started laughing because I just turned 21 that August. And here I was in May out there in San Francisco or in Las Vegas. And he says, you know that we've been here, but, but I, I never drank, you know, <laughs> and I said, I said, you know, I'm, I'm ordering tea. So why do you need to ID me? You know, <laughs> I'm here to see Tom Jones, you know, <laughs> and, uh, but he about fell over. He says, you're just now 21. And I said, yes, sir, but I never drank. <laughs> and he sat there and said, I cannot believe that, she, that, that Lillian had sent me out there at, at 17 years old. And he, and he thought all of us, because Donna and Tony and Sandy Parker were in their 20s. And, uh, but I sat there and said, you know, it's funny that, that I was – just turning 21 and he was just <laughs> learning. <laughs> uh, but, but it, yeah, it, it, you know, I, whenever I got the, the award, it was like, there's so many other people out there that, that I could see that were better uh, or deserved more than I did. Uh, but I, I guess it's one of those that I never looked at myself uh being that spectacular, you know, uh, of course, you know, Bobby Shane had sit there and taught me how to do the drop kick and, 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 um, and of course they sit there and say that I do a, a, a head scissors like, uh, Robert Gibson of the rock and roll express. And I sat there and I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> he does the head scissors. Like I do a head scissors <laughs> because I started before he started <laughs> and Bobby Shane did it. And that's where I learned how to do it. <laughs> Everyone starts laughing, and then, but um, and, and I guess another funny story. When I was eighty-two, uh, when I was coming back from my neck and back being broke, um, I went over to New Zealand and was doing a twenty-one day tour with Ric Flair, and uh, he'd brought a female friend with him, <laughs> and and whenever. He drove, she said, in the front seat. And whenever he, Rick, I would drive because I sit there and told Steve Ricard, the promoter, I said, I'm riding with Rick. And he said, no, he's got his his uh, friend with him. And I sit there and said, I don't care. I don't know these other guys. Well, Mark, I knew Mark Lewin, but he was crazy. And I wasn't going to get in the car with him driving. 
so he was crazy driving here in the States. So, I, I <laughs> so you heard his nickname, Maniac Mark mm-hmm. Lowen, right? Yeah, uh, I wasn't going to be riding on the wrong side of the, driving on the wrong side of the car and r- driving on the wrong side of the road over in New Zealand uh, with him driving. So I sit there and, and Rick was driving and, and I kept telling him, they have no guardrails. You're either up against the mountainside or looking over a cliff at the ocean. And I sit there and kept telling Rick when he'd be going around these curves, I thought, you know, if this if we don't fly off this mountain, it don't kill us when we land. I'm going to kill you whenever I get out. <laughs> You know, it scared, it scared me, I guess, for a week. I kept telling him, Rick, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and finally, she turned around and looked at me and sat there and said, do you know who you're talking to? And I went, whoa. <laughs> I said, you better back up. Do you know who you're talking to? Well, Rick started laughing. You know, and uh, he, she said, well, what's that mean? And I said, you know, when it comes to the rookie and the veteran, Mr. Flair's the rookie. I'm the veteran. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, what? And he said, you know, she's right. No, she's been in this business longer than me. <laughs> so we always crack up because he he knows that I'm going to sit there and say, I'm going to kill you if you scare me. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but it, it, I guess that's my, if somebody scares me bad enough, that's my one vice that I sit there. <laughs> And and or if they get me so mad, it's like you know. But just leave me alone until I get over it, because I just want to kill you. Not meaning anything personal about it, but because they normally got me so upset. And I said, especially when someone comes down and says they want to learn how to do old school wrestling, and then they sit there and say, well, and and this happened with one guy. He said, well, you know, in Connecticut we do it this way. And I thought you're not in Connecticut. <laughs> you know, we're not in Kansas right now, so we think about what you're saying. That's funny. Yeah. But, you know. You, you know, speaking of uh, sticking with 1976, <clears throat> yeah, early 1976, there was a rumor that you had a shoot match with Mula where you legit oh. made her tap out. Uh, and well, then, you, you, oh, go ahead. <laughs> You call it tap out. Actually, back in the seventies, you had to say I quit. Oh, there was damn. no tapping out. <laughs> so, so it was a legitimate. She had to say I quit. You made her give up. You know, she 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 couldn't say that I didn't tap. You know, I you know you, you misunderstood it because, um, like I tell Tony, I said I tap out every match back in the sixties and seventies when I started because I that's just part of what I did is slap the mat. they have a hold on me well I'd be tapping on the mat you know trying to figure out what I was going to do and I said nowadays they would be there saying I tapped out (laughs) but um, yeah in 76 uh, I was we were working for Fritz Von Erich Uh, he was still with the NWA uh, and Moolah's belt was not the NWA belt although a lot of people recognized it Um, they actually had three NWA female belts one was about from from uh, Mississippi to up to the East Coast, and then June Byers had uh, the Central NWA, and Mildred Burke had the Western NWA um, Women's World Belt. Uh, you know, um, 
so but Mula's belt Mula actually had it made whenever she won a tournament in Baltimore, Maryland back in nineteen fifty six, I think. It was actually printed on the belt, um, the fabulous Mula and the year and the town that she won it in. Uh, but it, nowhere on it did it say NWA Women's World Belt or World's Women Champion. Uh, uh, but I we were on a match, and, and uh, Dory Funk Jr. was the world champion at the time, and he was wrestling Ivan Putsky, and Fritz had built it as a double main event, and, and uh, the men were going, had a 60-minute time limit, and we had a 45-minute time limit, and he said, you know, go as close as you can. And I said, no problem. You know, uh, we walked out, and we're in Dallas, Texas at the Sportatorium, and we're standing there, and they brought in Mike Mazurki, which he was a wrestler turned movie star, which him, I think yeah. he played Frankenstein. Um, but uh, he was giving us the instructions like they used to do um, back in the, the heyday. And uh, she reached uh, and slapped the fire out of me. I still had a handprint on my face when I got back to the dressing room, and I had blood blisters. You know, and I sit there and I said, my head snapped back. And I said, my hat didn't come off. Uh, and Mike was sitting there looking at me. And, and he said he saw the fire come from my eyes. And as she turned around and went pressing off to her corner to take her jacket off, I just sit there and said, beat me if you can. Well, at the start of the match, I started off just like a normal match. And I thought, you know, I'll let him see some wrestling before I put the the finish on her. And uh, I said, about 22 minutes, 23 minutes into the match, I ended up hooking her in the uh, Indian death lock, which is a, a, basically a, a, a leg hole where you've got her legs crisscrossed and mine's in, and, I, and you push down on the knees, and uh, it'll pop the hips out of place if, if the person don't give up, you know, if you put too much pressure on it. Uh, and, of course, this is one of the things that Joe Blanchard taught me because he, he – in his training, he didn't just teach you how to wrestle. Um, he taught you how to defend yourself and, and take care of yourself and, and, and land properly, uh, you know, on, on taking the bumps. And uh, whenever I got her hooked in it, I, I was – now, I'm 212 pounds because uh, Roy Shires had sit there and said that he wanted me to be different in 72. And, and, and I said, I am different. I'm six foot. He says, I want you over 200 pounds. So he was actually giving me $200 a week. And Donna and Tony, um, uh, I gave them the money to go buy get out of kitchenette, and they went and bought food for a week. And he had, next week he'd give me $200 because we was there for three weeks. And, and I started putting on the weight and then went down two weeks to Los Angeles and came back up through California, through Northern California for Roy Showers again. And I made it up to 212 pounds and, uh, a month, but he was paying for me to go to a gym and everything, and I was running, doing everything, putting putting the weight on properly. So when I got back uh, to to South Carolina, I didn't even look like the publicity pictures that Mula had taken. And when I'd got there in '71, yeah, so it was like, well, you know, and I said, you take it up with Mister Showers, you know. He, he said, you know, he wanted me out there every May. And if I didn't come and I didn't have the weight on that, that 
you know, and I can't be going up and down. It, it's not healthy for me to lose that much weight and then try to put that much weight back on. And um, then all the other promotions started saying how much more athletic I look with the weight on me. Uh, that that um, she couldn't sit there and, and and of course I wasn't taking the weight off because everybody said how how much healthier and how much athletic I looked. But when I hooked her in that um, Indian deathlock with her legs and I started pushing on her knees, uh, she looked up at Mike Mazurki, and I guess we was in the center of the ring, and she said, how long? And I just nonchalantly said, oh, about 22. <laughs> he looked down at Moolah and said, she's right. You've got about 22 minutes that you're going to have to sit here like that. <laughs> uh, so she actually said, I quit. And, and it was loud enough for me and Mike to hear it. And I sit there and he said, she said that she quit, you know, let go. Well, I just pushed a little harder on her knees. And I said, I didn't hear her. Well, she said it a little louder. Well, by the time the fourth time came around, I was really putting the pressure on her knees. And she knew that if I pushed much harder, that she wasn't going to be able to walk because I dislocated her hips. But I didn't really care <laughs> uh, because of that slap. <laughs> I thought. Uh, but um she ended up yelling that the people in the top of the sportatorium could hear that she said, I quit. But um, I know um, what it says on the, the YouTube, it says five days. I actually had the belt for about five months. You know, uh, Vince Senior flew me up to New York uh, to have a discussion. And I said, you know, what? what? And he says, I, I think you know what it's about. And I thought, all right, send a ticket. Uh, and I flew up um, because I was actually driving a wrecker. I didn't care if I wrestled or, or didn't because I had a job with for her boyfriend driving a wrecker. And she tried to get him to take 30% out of my pay to give her and me doing a job. And I said, and I, I confronted her. I said, if you want me to pay you, it's between the ropes. It's not out here on the road picking up wrecked cars, you know. Uh, so, uh, you just have to understand that if you want my money, it's going to be because I'm wrestling. It's not going to be because I'm doing something else. And I also played in a a, a band. I played a bass, and and we played in her her club one night at Hideaway Lounge, and and she took thirty percent off the top. And then the the lead singer had to sit there and said, you know, she don't get a third because all she does is play that bass. And the drummer don't get a third because all she does is play the drums. Says I'm playing rhythm and, and lead and, and 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 singing. So give us the rest. And, and then of course she tried to make uh, the the band leader sit there and say what we what I was going to get paid to where she could get the money. And I sit there and backed around the corner and I sit there and said, well then it don't matter. It's only when I'm in the ring do you get any of my money. Yeah. So. Um, Whenever, whenever Vince Senior flew me up, I ended up the Greyhound bus station was used to me going to the bus station and, and uh, picking up girls that were coming in on the bus to take them out to the compound. <laughs> uh, and uh, I went in there and I ended up putting the belt in one of those little lockers like they used to be everywhere. You put your little quarter in and turn right. the key and you kept the key with you. <laughs> then when you came back, you put the key in there and you got it out. And well, they came in and I said, you know, well, I was expecting somebody. Well, I, I just got put stuff in there and left and, you know, went out to the airport, flew up to Connecticut. And uh, when I walked in, of course, 
Lillian was sitting there and I said, what's she here for? And he said, Mr. Moran said, you know, I think you know what she's here for. And I thought, well, what, what, what do you want to talk about? And he says, you know, what's it going to take for you to give her belt back to her? And I said, well, you said the magic word, give. And uh, in the process of that, I laid out, you know, I don't want to ever have to wrestle her again. I don't want to pay her 30% anymore. Uh, I want a picture of me handing the belt back to her uh, when we're at a match, you know, uh, where I'm not wrestling her. Well, it happened. I ended up having handing the belt back to her uh, at Madison Square Garden in the dressing room just prior to her going out when she was wrestling Vivian St. John. And, and I wrestled Paula Case uh, in that match. We went out first, and of course, Mill went out five or six matches later against Vivian St. John. And, but she kept saying, well, I need the belt. And I said, I need the picture. And they were sitting there telling some photographers, no, 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 I got my camera. I'm not expecting y'all to take a picture. I want my camera. You know, uh, and then I sat there and told Vivian, uh, and I said, you hang on to this till I get back. <laughs> and then um, Vivian was a good enough friend that uh, she she wouldn't let anybody get the camera to where they could expose the because back then it was 35 millimeter. Uh, so they could easily open the camera and expose the film to where I'd never had the picture. But, you know, I, I and of course, when I got back, Mula made me move off the property. Uh, so I had to get my own apartment off the property. And I sat there and said, it, it turned out to be better for me because I ended up, I was buying a house and uh, I got two drill sergeants that moved in, females, and, and they moved in. And whenever I was on the road, uh, they would sit there and, and, uh, take care of all the bills. I didn't, they took pay the whole mortgage and everything. You know, I sit there and said, if I was in town, you know, we split it three ways. But I said, if I was on, if they had the whole run of the house, when I'd be gone three or four months, they paid the mortgage. You know, I, so I said, I had the best of, of, of the world. You know, I didn't have to right. pay her when I was on the road. Uh, and what was strange and, and I, I've told Tony this because Tony didn't live on the property. Uh, whenever we got, whenever Miller got 25 acres out there and called um, the training camp, or and I sit there and said, normally most of us, and I said, Desiree and 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 Vicky, I'm sure they, I don't know if they called it the compound, but I sit there and said she's like a warden. At times she ended up locking the front gate to where. She thought she'd keep us in Well, she had two back entrances and, and she put cha- chains across them. And I sit there and said, well, I was smart enough to get a, a, a two by four and stick it out there to where I could drive under that chain with my Torino and, and uh, I could leave whenever I wanted to. It was, you know, she couldn't tell what was going on. And then when I had my motorcycle, I'd just push it through the road, you know, through the woods and be able to leave and get to the, the back because, you know, she wanted to keep so close eye on us that you know she didn't want us we couldn't have any friends over there if we had any friends we had to um meet them off the property you know they couldn't come over to our house we couldn't have parties at our house and i said um when my neck was broken 79 you know she she sent word with a boyfriend up there that he came to see me and said well lillian says this is the best thing that ever happened to you when it and it was broken broken in a boating accident my neck and back and 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 i said there and i said, looked at bobby and i said you just tell her i will be back 
you know, and, and uh, of course, I wasn't ever going back to work for her again. Uh, but I found out that I could get bookings uh, on my own. And, and Joe Blanchard, had, you know, he sat there and said, well, your doctor says you couldn't. And I sat there and said, Joe, I trained my niece. You've had seen us out there with in the tag team. Uh, and training is a whole lot harder than wrestling. So he ended up getting me in touch with Steve Ricard over in New Zealand when I had the 21-day tour over there. And then uh, uh, another promoter over in Holland um, started uh, sending you know me bookings with other places. I said, some countries I went to in India, I, it was nice, but I was also glad to be out of there. Uh, you know, and I, I wrestled. Sometimes me and Ronda Singh were uh, tag partners, and other times we'd be opponents against each other. And I said, in, in India, we were partners. And I said, yeah, which a lot of people don't realize, Ronda Singh was Bertha Faye up in WWE, uh, yeah, WWF. And I'd called her, and I thought, you know, Ronda, you really don't want to go up there. And she says, well, you know, they say um, if you made, wrestle Madison Square Garden, you made it. And I said, We've been in front of bigger crowds over in South Africa and India than Madison Square's got. You know, look at all the other countries we've been in. Holland, you know, I, you know, it, it's it's not no big deal. And I said, you're not going to be able to see that much. And, of course, they had her put on all the weight and made her be in the polka dots and everything because she was Dusty Rhodes' um, trailer park niece. And then, of course, Japan and Mexico, whenever they didn't bring in uh, re-up her three-month contract, they told her, you know, get back to being the monster that you were and we'll bring you back over to, to Japan and Mexico. Well, you know, she had the heart attack uh, and died trying to get the weight off to be able to get back. And I said her knees were so bad um, that having that extra weight didn't help her any. But I said, you know, uh, people that there and I say, if you ever want to see me in a fight, uh, just look at San Juan, Puerto Rico. I said, I've wrestled the monster. And I sit there and said, she beat me half to death. And I sit there and said, we're in a baseball field and there wasn't anybody to get close to the people. You had to go up against the backstop and everything. And I said, I wrestled that match. I bet you three-fourths of, of 30 minutes or so, like I'm not being 20, with my jacket on. And I said, I was slung all over the place. <laughs> Uh, inside and outside the ring, uh, wrestling her for the first time in, in San Juan, Puerto Rico. You know, I said, but I said, uh, she's a, a heck of a person to be with. And then in, in India, in India, we actually one of the guys that said they're from India sat there and said they were going to trade us because the first two weeks we were there, this promoter was paying us right like he should. Yeah, you know, and then the, the third week. When he was going to be leaving uh, that Saturday, you know, he started being kind of sluggish on the payoffs. And the guy sat there and said, you know, he's going to put you in a, uh, the, the slave market. And I thought, say what? He said, he's not paying you because he's selling you. And I thought, how's he selling me? I'm not for sale. And um, looked at Rhonda and said, you're with her. Well, we got him to take and ask him where the American embassy was. And he told us. The closest one was going to be the American because she was Canadian. And uh, I said, can you get our bag down there? Because all we carried was our, our wrestling bag and a hangout bag. Well, we went out like we were sightseeing. And then 
when we noticed that we were being followed, we took off running. And of course, I'm hanging on to Rhonda's hands and run, run, run. And I'm, I'm waving my passport at the American Embassy to open the gates for us to get in. And then when we caught her breath, you know, I was sitting there saying, you know, she was Canadian. Uh, and they said, well, we can't have her in here. And I said, if you put her out, I got to go out. You know, because she's my partner. And they had to sneak us to the airport to get us out of India. And I sit there and said, that was one country. I've seen some pretty sights, but I don't ever want to think about having to go back. (laughs) I I saw that match, actually, the one you're talking about in Puerto Rico. (laughs) What a match. Holy cow. You guys beat the crap out of each other. That that was, I mean, that match told a story. Um, Oh, yeah. So, uh, and this is something I wanted to ask Vicky last week. I never got to, but... Uh, the the dark side of the ring episode that featured Mula, um, Wendy Richter was on that, and I, I'm still perplexed by this. She was talking about, I guess, you know, she was she was wanting more money maybe, and she was a bit too vocal about it, and uh, she wound up losing to Spider Lady, and with a straight face, she said that she had no idea that that was Mula. And despite the fact that like 98% of the crowd was yelling Mula, could, I mean, what is her, what do you think her thought process is? I mean, why would she she she, save that? She's wanting to not deny that, that, uh, will I say that Mula, the referee gave a fast count? Yeah. Yeah, Probably a little faster than it it could have been. Can I sit there and say that? I believe Richter didn't know it was Mula. I sat there and said, I knew it was Mula the minute she, I saw her walking. You know, uh, there's no way in the way she stepped in the ring. You know, there's no denying the way she, she circled the ring. There's no, yeah, I don't care what you did to Mula, uh, unless you cut her legs off um, to make her a midget that, that she wouldn't have known that it was Mula. Well, the minute you um, locked up with her, I mean, because I'm sure they oh, locked yeah. up somebody. How would you not know? Yeah. Uh, I guess that's just Wendy wanting to have denial that, you know, she couldn't have lost. And I sit there and said, you know, with me, you know, um, I, I sit there and said, you know, um, when you was trained by Mula, she, she didn't ever teach you enough because she knew how to, you know. And I guess with me, a lot of a lot of girls in being an independent wrestler, you know, they sit there and they'd come in and they'd some of them would no show and, and stuff, and I'd sit there and see them later, and it's like, you know, why didn't you show up? And they sit there and says, well, I'm afraid of you. And I thought, there's nothing to be afraid of, you know. Uh, we just do what the promoter wants. Uh, but I, I, I was considered a worker, a hooker, and a shooter, you know. Which I shot on Mula, and everybody knew that I shot on Mula, and and you know, it took Vince Senior almost. It was right at five months whenever he had me. It was in January, and then I think it was like May whenever he flew me up there. But I said, I carried that belt everywhere, and, and Bobby, her boyfriend, just laughed. He sat there and said, aren't you afraid? I said, she ain't coming over here. And I said, <laughs> she had my house gone through before I moved off the property, and I said, I couldn't say anything because she had a key to it. And then when my car was at the airport, um, Obviously, she had a key to it because it wasn't broken into, but she had my car gone through, and I could tell that somebody had went through my car, and I sat there, and I thought, you know, I don't know who did it. 
And of course, it was before they had the cameras and all that at, at parking lots, and and also I couldn't really say anything. But I sat there and said, and and that's when Vince ended up doing it. And of course, when I had the contract drawn up, I, I ended up going to another attorney to have them proofread it to make sure all the I's and T's were crossed and dotted. And and uh, then I made him fax money over to pay for the the proofreading, and and then um, had them sign it and notarize you know to where whenever she couldn't sit there and say that i didn't it wouldn't hold water like hers you know uh because they were sitting there going okay 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 when i was talking and i sit there and said mr man you you i know you got a paralegal here that can draw this up uh so get it drawn up and i'll have it proofread and 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 then we'll discuss you know and, and of course he paid me twelve hundred dollars give her her belt back wow. and and uh, which in today's money it would be a, if somebody came up with it, it was over a hundred thousand dollars in today's money for what he paid me. And I said, Dan, I said, well, uh, I never made that kind of money in, in wrestling. And, and I'm wondering if the girls in today's wrestling would wrestle for, for 15,000 a year and, and pay all their bills and, and not have insurance uh, because I had insurance because my parents had me keep the insurance and uh, health insurance on me and hospitalization. But most of the girls, um, they didn't have any insurance. Yeah. Uh, and, and Vicki Williams and me were the only two that had cars. So, you know, if, if you wasn't riding with us, you was taking a bus or the train. Uh, but with, with Wendy, I, I just guess it's her denial, not wanting and, and, trying to make us trying to make everybody else believe and, and I said which I told her I said then well the only way you couldn't have known it was not Mula was you was higher than a kite you know if your two feet wasn't on the ground you, you might have not misunderstood or mistaken her for somebody else but yeah, but impossible yeah uh, there's no way uh, but um you know uh when I was at Mula's uh, the only thing she I can sit there and say that she did. You could drink whether you was 15 years old, and and of course I was 16, and, and she'd send me on beer runs, and sit there and said, you know, you don't have to touch it. And the guy at the 7-Eleven will put it in your trunk. Just give him the 20 dollars. Don't get any, you know, not any change. And I sit there and said, uh, and this this was horrible. It's when I don't know. I'm gonna be really giving my age away, but they had the red, white, and blue beer out. And, and should be buying it because it should be having where Diamond Lil, Katie, little dark-haired midget, should fish in the pond out and catch all these little brim. And I said, I'm not a fish eater, so I, I never went to I'd go down there, but then wander off because everybody was drinking and getting drunk, you know. Uh, and I sit there and I said, well, here I was hanging on to my Dr. Pepper. <laughs> and it was like, you know, you can have a drink, you can have a drink. You know, you're on my property. No one's going to catch you. And it, it's, but as far as her pimping us out, you know, I, I, I never heard of that. Uh, I've heard, I, I do know that some of the girls have told me that they were, uh, and then, uh, that, uh, I sit there and said, well, it never happened with me, you know, uh, and then, uh, the, the, the drugs and stuff. And I sit there and said, you know, that all I know is that you, you could drink, uh, 
she she didn't allow us off the property and i i, I know that um judy martin at one time sat there and said her and lalani kide went down to one of the um in fact it was the foxhole it just recently closed it was a bar just down probably two miles from Mula's place and uh she walked in and sat there and said, y'all can't be bar flies. Y'all got to get out of here. You know, uh, but I sit there and thought, you know, if you wanted to party, you had to party whenever, um, middle had. And I sit there and said, when I was there from 71 to 76 on the property, uh, if we wasn't on the road, we was doing the maintenance on all the apartments and all the mowing the grass. And I said, I was the only one that could make that 47 Ford tractor run that had a bush hog on it, so I was in charge of mowing the all the property that was across from her, as we said, across the dam, which split the two ponds in half. Mm -hmm. uh, but I had to keep all the property mowed up there, uh, and, and because I could make the tractor run, you know. Uh, but I said, you know, we we entertained Mula when we wasn't on the the road, and of course. Uh, whenever she'd get somebody new, uh, I would I'd be in the gym with them. And of course, I'll never forget me and Peggy Patterson. We were up in New York. I had uh, Winona Little Heart as my partner, and and Peggy had Mula's hers. And we we started working. And I Mula had told Peggy that she was too big to throw a drop kick. And I sat there and said, if Blackjack Mulligan can throw a drop kick, which I trained with Blackjack. I know him as Bob, and I said, here he was, six foot six, six foot eight, and three hundred and something pounds. And Bobby Shane said, I'm gonna throw hold my hand up here, and you're gonna kick it. And he said, I can't jump up that high. And I said, there and said, before eight hours was up, we were both throwing drop kicks. Um, you know, I, I was hitting Bobby in the chest, and and Bob was hitting hitting his hand up, you know, as high because Bobby was probably five eight, five nine. He he wasn't a real tall guy, but I sat there and said, he made Bob be able to throw a drop kick. And I said, um, you know, we can. Well, I called the spot. I sat there and said, we did the double drop kick spot where I threw a drop kick and then she threw a drop kick and hit me. And then we'd both jump up for a drop kick and miss them. And, and of course, when we went crawling back to tag out, Mula had her favorite words. Oh, and and um, I just sat there and <laughs> laugh because Winona Littleheart said, what am I supposed to do? I said, Whatever Mula does to me, that's all I can say. Yeah, but but she'd sit there and, and if she didn't want you to be able to do something, uh, she'd tell you you couldn't. And I sit there and said, I would be the one that would be down there convincing the girls you can if you want to. You know, uh, I was taught that there was, the word can't don't exist. If you, only if you don't want to you can you not do it so uh but i said uh Mula didn't like it when i'd be teaching the girls how to do and she'd sit there and come out because if i try to t teach them how to do the hammer locks and stuff to where they make someone settle down and, and do it like a hook basically if you hook somebody it's like you're fishing you you get a hold on them and the more they wiggle the worse it hurts it's not that you can keep them from make them say I quit or tap out, but it 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 does. Uh, you just tell them to settle down, and 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 it'll quit hurting, and and you can get them back in into the right frame of mind. But uh, uh, you know, I guess 
Mula had her bad parts, but I said, you know, she knew I didn't like her and I, she didn't like me and we just respected each other. So, um, and then when I had it where I didn't have to wrestle her again, I said to a lot of people that see matches that say I wrestled her past 76, um, uh, there at the sportatorium, they, they just, they might've booked my name, but they didn't have me. They would have somebody else fill in for the match, you know, uh, or they changed the date on the match that was there. Uh, uh, so, but I, I sit there and said that, that, uh, she never did to, to the girls in the sixties and the seventies, what she did to the girls in the eighties and nineties. Hmm. Well, I mean, I can't, I know as we wrap up tonight, I, I can't, Thank you enough for your time. Um, I don't know how easy it was getting through some of the stories. Uh, probably, you know, but um, we definitely will. Benny, uh, we'll reach out to you, have you back on because we. I wanted to hope we'd have more time to get into obviously uh, your time with training and you. You know, you you very kind of glossed over, but the uh, the re- recovery from the neck injury that was a big thing. Uh, our last episode, Benny. Yeah. Uh, Broken necks seem to be common among some of the yep. women we've been having on. But um, but as we wrap up, uh, I'll give you the final thought. Um, are you still involved in the business? What uh, uh, any anything you want to promote? Any any closing idea? Uh, I I am still involved. I do I do the WrestleCons and and, and podcast. Um, I still run my gym. I got two guys that'll be starting in January. Uh, they they came out back before Thanksgiving and then things got a little hectic and uh, I said, why don't we just wait till after the holidays? So the, the, yeah, the, yeah. G- the gym of pain and glory is still open. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, not, not um, to be confused with planet fitness. It's, it's pretty, pretty no frills. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no frills, no air conditioning, no heat. <laughs> the only thing that was missing no. was still hard. Yeah. Hey, what are you yeah. guys doing here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I sit there and tell them if they can take the pain, I can get them get them the glory. You know, uh, so uh, uh, they learn real fast that uh, this is actually the ring in my gym that I was trained in at uh, the Sportatorium there in Corpus Christi by Joe Blanchard. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. so uh, you know, people said this thing's hard, and I said, uh, "Yeah, <laughs> it ain't like a trampoline." You know, this is what we learned on. Yeah, that um, was. Uh... What one of my one of my favorite quotes I've ever heard was was uh, Bruno San Martino the first time he wrestled in a uh, one of the the looser rings not like the old old school yeah. flat ones yeah. and he said that was he he's I, I'm paraphrasing but he basically said that was like wrestling on a trampoline if rings oh, had yeah. been like that when I was you know when my my prime I could have been champion for twenty years oh yeah yeah yeah. Uh. Yeah, whenever they, I sit there and tell them, I said, whenever you get, learn on my ring, whenever you go to Japan or Mexico, you ain't got nothing on you. And, and I will say in Samoa, when I wrestled over there and, and where Peter Maiva uh, promoted, they actually had palm leaves that they would lay down and stretch them over concrete. So you were landing on palm leaves that had a canvas. And, and Ric Flair was on this show and he's sat there and said, why didn't you fall more? And I sit there and said, because you're going to die when you try to take a breath when you hit that mat because all the mold's coming up because they don't take the old palm leaves off before they put fresh ones down. 
And, and of course, he did that nosedive that he does, and, and he didn't stay down very long. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he, he came back and said, I know what you mean. <laughs> it was enough to strangle you. <laughs> get that. Be- Benny, before we let Sue go for the night, any final thoughts? I'm just, you know, these these stories, uh, I'm, I'm sure she has a book to write uh, of <laughs> yeah. stories. Uh, they never get old. And like, the, the, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you told us maybe 1% of the things that happen in your career. And it just, this stuff just fascinates me. It never oh, yeah. gets old. Yeah. yeah. You know, when we, I see about territories, you know, we only went into territory. Roy Shires kept us the longest three weeks uh, where we were able to stay in one <laughs> motel uh, for the three weeks we were there. Um, and, and all, but uh, you know, <coughs> they, they, they brought us in because we kept the crowd up. You know, whenever they think, like, think the crowd was dying down, they brought us in. Uh, the only thing I can say is Vince Senior. I don't know what Mula had on him, but if she called him, he would use whatever, however many girls she said she needed to have on the road. I mean, at one time we had 20 girls up there doing 20 girl battle royals. Uh, but um, that if she called him, he'd always say yes. But he should he'd send he'd send the two of us or four of us up to do Washington D.C. TV and say that we'd be back two weeks later to be up there in the territory, and then she'd send four of the girls up. We wouldn't be even the ones that did the TV. So I said that was a five hundred mile, a thousand mile trip, brown trip, for TV for twenty five dollars. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah, I got a million and one stories. <laughs> so well, we- be happy. Then we'll we'll definitely have you back on for for more. I'm sure. I mean, okay. any of the territories you traveled in, we could do a couple of hours just on each of those. So, okay. I mean, absolutely, we'll have you back on again. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, last show of the year, so enjoy. Uh, hope you enjoy your new year. We hope you had a great holiday. And um, yeah. like like I said, Benny, will uh, reach out to you, and we'll definitely have you back on. It sounds good to me. Y'all have a merry Christmas and a great All new right. year. You too, sir. Right. You bet. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. You bet. Bye. Last show of the year, Benny. Talk about going out with a bang. <laughs> I love that story that uh, when she wrestled Mula and she just, you know, she got her in that, that submission hold and, and just held on to it. Yeah, you know, I, I'm glad she corrected me because I've always heard that she made Mula tap, but She's right. Now that you think about it, tapping wasn't a thing. Yeah, you didn't tap in the seventies. Yeah, the 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 I quit matches before I quit matches became a thing. I mean, that's you're verbally okay. I give up. You know, right? I'm up. That's crazy. And and and, I mean, talk about breaking the facade of. I mean, Mula was the immortal, invincible one back then, and you you put her tighter into a pretzel for real. She, she was a little bit more diplomatic than Vicky, but I, I still sense that, you know, I mean, she, like she said, you know, Mula was her boss and everything. And she, yeah, was, you know, she, and, and I mean, she laid it out, you know, she, she was never the victim of some of the worst accusations that Mula's gotten, but I'm, I'm going to go out on a, I don't want to speak for anybody, but I doubt she shed any tears when she heard that they were pulling the, uh, 
renaming the battle royal and taking the Moolah trophy away. Right, right, and and, and she sounds like she's very she, she, that she is very strong willed, and uh, maybe Moolah didn't like that. Maybe Moolah liked you know more, more compliant yeah. employees. Yeah, well, that's the the you know any anybody that's ever known a bully. The the you ever hear them talk? They they hate people that think and act for themselves. Yeah, but. just just a great. I mean, great career. Oh, yeah. and, I, and, I, and that's what we do. I mean, we did it all year. We we heard it with, uh, you know, going back to to the, the territory stories and hearing you know Ken Patera telling us about uh, watching the the terrorist attack in the Olympic Village in '72. Uh, I mean, I love hearing the stories that you know you don't hear anywhere else. It's it, we've done. I mean, I, we're not gonna we're not gonna dethrone the the you know top of the apple charts anytime soon but we're having fun with it we've got uh, a lot of a lot of good feedback i mean the we just had the boogie claws drawing last week and that was the most names we've had since we've been doing any kind of contests i mean that's a lot of a lot of interest there and it's it's great to see it's it was a great year for the show uh 2023 will be another one moving on uh we'll be back january 3rd for uh our year in review a lot of stuff to talk about the wrestling news in 2022 and uh, you know, we'll go from there. So like for everyone out there, we hope you enjoyed your holiday. Uh, we hope you'll have a wonderful new year coming up and here's to another great year of Dan and Benny the ring for the BS express himself, Benny Scala. I'm Dan Spasciano. Happy new year, everyone. And we will see you next year when we're back in the ring. Happy new year. <laughs>